We are family, aren't we? Um, you know, there's a difference between just a, a group of people coming together and a group, and then in a po- or as opposed to a group of people who come together and understand we really are the family of God, who God brings together on purpose. This morning, uh, on Sundays, we do a 9 a.m. prayer time with all of our servant leaders, and uh, everybody comes into the room, and we just press in and ask God to really bless the morning. A.T. Hargrave uh, led that this morning, and he said something, and it really struck me. He just spoke of buying a piece of furniture in a box, and how, how many have ever done that before? You bought a piece of furniture in a box, and you had to put it together, right? Um, and so you bring that, that home with all those pieces that are congregating in the box, but until you assemble them on purpose, it really never fulfills its function. And we as a church can't just congregate in a box. We really have to learn to be assembled on purpose. And I want to challenge you to think about what that really looks like for us. Next week, we are going to do a community group expo, so the the lobby will be filled with all of our community group leaders as you come into the services. Um, But in addition to that, I want you to be aware we're starting something uh, that we feel like the Lord's given us some guidance and direction on. And and, uh, on September the 8th, we're going to do a Discovering Destiny Reception. If you are interested in this, you want to fill out a Connect card and make note of that. Drop it in a giving station. But a Discovering Destiny reception where between the two services, we want to just connect briefly and explain what is coming starting that Wednesday, September the 11th. We are going to do a five-week Discover Destiny community group. And we've not done this before, but the reason we want to do it is to give you a specific avenue to go through those five weeks and learn a little more about you, learn a little more about who we are as a church family. Uh, this would be for new families that are here or families that just haven't really been involved and engaged assembling together on purpose. Because at the end of the five weeks, you are going to clearly know which of our groups would be a good fit for you. And the five, in, five weeks concludes. Whether you go on to that group uh, or not, it's between you and the Lord. But I would encourage you to figure out how community is such a tool God wants to place in our hands to grow deeper together when we do so on purpose. So our hope has kind of been you would drift into a community group and find your place. We want to be more intentional about that, so I'll be talking about that between now and then. Uh, if you are interested in that, please fill out a community, uh, sorry, connect card, and again, drop that in one of the giving stations. Um, I do want to just challenge you in something. We're talking about the five most transformational ideas God has entrusted to our care. Every fall, we want to take new families through discipleship on these ideas. They're they're just significant. Obviously, when we look back and reflect on the things that have transformed lives the most, uh, those would be very significant deposits God has made. And so I asked the redemption group to uh, set up their table or their poster outside. When you walk out the doors, you'll see... The, uh, the redemption group. And it, what basically, it's a group of people on this board that show their before and after pictures. And whenever they were doing this, they asked me if they could get one of my before pictures. So yeah, I'm out there in the two-tone mullet with my before picture on the board if you want to stop and take a look. But how many of you are thankful we are in a church family that believes in the power of transformation in people's lives and in society? Come on, let's thank God for transformation that God wants to bring. 
we're going to look at that from a little different angle today, just to broaden that perspective so that we have a good understanding of what God wants to do. But I want to point something out to you. It's a pretty important concept, and I just felt the Lord purposing uh, for me to take a few moments with this. 1 Corinthians 4.4 4 says, He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of men's hearts. At that time, each will receive, say it with me, his praise from God. <laughs> we often talk about our praise to God, but the Bible actually speaks of a day when God's praise will be given to you. It's really, I mean, when you read that, you think about that, I mention that, it almost creates this inner conflict, doesn't it? Like, what? God's going to praise me, but God will praise me. God will praise you in that moment in time. Let me help you understand a little bit of what this is. This is like the production of this world is over. Let's think in terms of uh, productions and cast and crew and director. And so God is the ultimate director. And one day the production of this world is over and we will all come together for the ultimate cast party to celebrate what has taken place in the production of this world. And God, the ultimate director, will be giving a reciprocal praise of appreciation for your role in bringing transformation to the world around you. How many of you know God is using you in your life to release his kingdom to your world? Do you understand that? This is really important because this says that you know our motives are going to be revealed, and at that time we'll receive our praise from God. How many of you would like to live a life that comes into that space where there's incredible praise coming from God because you are a major contributor in your generation to see God's kingdom expand. How many of you would like that? Come on, I want that in my life. I want that for us. I want that for our church family. And I want you to understand as we're walking through and journeying through these five weeks of this redemption consideration, I, I want you to get something. <clears throat> I, you might have noticed the past two weeks, I, we haven't really even said anything about giving. Haley's video pops up today, but I want you to understand something. God's plan is for us in an attitude of worship to bring our tithes and offerings into the storehouse so that the kingdom expands as a result of where our families are spiritually fed and we begin to make an impact. And do you understand that when we leave our church financially strong, even beyond our lives, then all of the redemption that comes after we have been here and gone, because we were contributors to making the church strong to make an impact in the world, all of the transformation that happens is a part of that reciprocal appreciation that God is going to assign in your direction. Do you understand what I'm saying? Giving has always been a part of the plan of God for worship in the earth. And don't mistake, this is not just trying to learn to be generous to people. This is about specifically devoting tithe to the storehouse where we are spiritually fed. And so I am really thankful for a generous congregational family, and I just want you to know I'm devoted, regardless of uh, you know, where that, what the numbers are looking like, I'm devoted that we would understand this is about worship. And so that's why I encourage you, find the giving station, give online. Let that be an expression of worship from your heart to God, and let's see God continue to transform our world in amazing and powerful ways. Can I get an Amen. It's what it's all about. So today I'm talking about the second concept that really releases transformation uh, in, our, in our hearts and in our lives. And it's a pretty simple phrase. Um, God takes just a man. 
God takes just a woman. Just, just takes a, a simple, normal, average, you know, not greatly spiritual, phenomenally gifted. God takes just a man, makes him a just man. Aren't you thankful for the blood of Jesus Christ? He doesn't have to have much to work with to do something profound and amazing in your life. Just give him the seed of who you are. Don't try and be something you're not. You be you. If you'll be you, if you'll relax, you will be revealed correctly. How many of you have ever been in a scenario, in a situation where you were nervously trying to present yourself because you felt like you were uh, not quite you know, what you needed to be in that circumstance or situation? Hold your hand up high if that's you. Let's be honest, okay? I've been in a few forums with some dignitaries and different individuals, and I feel like, ooh, you know, I've got to get my best foot forward. And usually in those moments in time, that's when I am the most vulnerable and transparent and honest because I just know there's something powerful powerful about not faking it. So God takes just a man. Through the blood of Jesus, he makes him a just man. But let's all be reminded, we're still just a man. Even though he takes just a man, makes him a just man, he's still just a man. She is still just a woman. How I many you know we're all human? We're all on a journey just trying to find our way, trying to sort this out, figure out what it is God's desiring for us, from us as we contribute in every direction, our, our time, our talent, our treasure to see his kingdom expand. And uh, that's exactly the way this happens. And so you see on the, on the bottom of your note cards each week, you know, there's this action point. And, uh, and basically that action point, it's a GP2RL. That means we bring GP2RL, God's presence to real life. God's plan is for you to experience his presence in magnificent, amazing ways. And then to express that experience in very practical, tangible, touchable ways. How many of you know Jesus is amazing God? Aren't you glad? He's amazing God who became human. He's amazing God who humbled himself in humanity to come and be known among us so that we could relate to amazing God on our own terms. That's exactly what that point, uh, what that phrase was saying. We bring God's presence to real life, in real language, for real people. You know, uh, the King James Version is an amazing version of Scripture, but you don't have to speak the King James Version, especially when you go to work, okay? Just be real. Did you know that Jesus and the disciples is one way to say it, and JC and his homeboys is another way to say it, and God's not offended by however you express whatever is in your heart, in your experience from God Almighty, and this is a house where we embrace everybody who has every background so that they can come to know Jesus and he can set the record straight and cause us to become more of who he has called us to be. Come on. Holiness and all of those expressions come from our responsiveness to God Almighty. So don't be ashamed of your background. Be thankful that God brought you from where he brought you from, and then he's not going to leave you where he's brought you to today. There's more. We all want to grow deeper in our relationship with Jesus. So here's the big idea today. God awakens things within us to transform the world around us. Today, I believe God, uh, God just was speaking some things to me as I was praying. You know, I've got this well-formulated message and, and things and ideas I've talked about for years, and I have to be careful whenever I feel really good about the content, because today's gathering is really not about the content of a message. It's about the love of God. And the Lord just reminded me, today He's going to expose and reveal uh, for us His love in powerful ways. Self-disqualification is being broken off of your life. 
under the sound of my voice, under the sound of the anointing in this room, in Jesus' mighty name. Self-disqualification. You didn't just gather to hear a message, did you? You came together to encounter the Savior. So let's encounter the Savior, and let's break self-disqualification in this room off of our lives. Why don't you help me break self-disqualification off of everybody in this room as we rise up and hiss the enemy away by the clapping of our hands, according to Job 27, in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for the power of your word, for the presence of God. In Jesus' mighty name, God wants to awaken things within us that then is expressed out of the deeper, most inmost, uh, deep, most in, innermost part of our hearts to become his expression of his love, of what he's cultivating in us. So the idea of redemption is wonderful. You know, last week we talked about um, one particular story, last week regarding you know, prison time and, and, and drugs and, and all of those types of scenarios that tried to hold somebody back and they broke free and I was so glad and, and we celebrated. Uh, Chris and Rita actually got married yesterday. They're going to be here in the second service today and we're really excited about celebrating those types of stories. But I want to celebrate a little different type of story. This week I want to talk to you about a couple that was spared from so much I mean, they were, they were rescued and redeemed from drugs. They were rescued and redeemed from prostitution. They were rescued and redeemed from anything you can imagine, crack, cocaine. They were, they were meth. They were rescued and redeemed from all of that, listen carefully, in advance. How many know there's a wonderful story that God wants to write in our lives that doesn't require us to have to go through those things to be rescued and redeemed from those things. And that's what I want for my kids. How about you? That's what I want for this next generation church. How about you? And so we're celebrating a rescued and redeemed couple today. This couple, they met in high school. They fell in love. I was able to do their wedding, and they exchanged purity rings right in front of me uh, in the other building over there, and I started crying because I knew that it symbolized they had kept themselves even to virginity until their wedding day. I know some of you think virgins and unicorns are kind of, you know, maybe they exist. No, really, this really happened. Okay, they really did. They fell in love at a young age. They kept themselves. I want you to know you can do this thing that God tells us to do in his word as we learn to live our lives in a way that brings glory and honor to God and dignity into the lives of others, and we obey the power of his word. How many know I'm talking about redemption right now? So I want to celebrate uh, what I saw just a few weeks ago in a turn-the-page post. It was a time-hop Post and, and here it is, Bailey Trawick posted in her Turn the Page Bible that uh, one year ago she had just found out that she was pregnant and uh, that they were going to be having a baby. Do you have that picture, the Turn the Page picture? It's a Bible page. There we go. And there's the pregnancy test, proof positive. And of course now Seth is here, like way positive. But look at that. August the 8th, 2018, and every day she's turning the page, writing the date at the top. How many of you know her family, her children, children, children are one day going to look at that and say, wow, this is when Grandpa Seth found out he is conceived. And so, I mean, it's just an amazing heirloom. And so we're going to progress through the journey, and we're going to see them. And so here is Seth. Come on, baby Seth. Look at that boy. 
Yes, indeed. And here is the whole family so that you can see them. They happen to be in this service, but uh, what a good-looking family they are. And Bailey actually has been here from a long way back. And so here she is in a production as a little girl. Look at that. I went fishing online and found that for you, Bailey. Uh, she's always had this big mouth going, you know, it's a real gift, spiritual gift. Uh, we love you guys very much. And I just want to say to you, as a pastor of our church and as your pastor, thank you for setting such a great example for the next generation to follow and look to. My own daughters have looked up to you and appreciated your mentorship, Bailey, and uh, both of you guys are just tremendous leaders in this house, and we honor you today. Bless you guys. Come on, we're celebrating redemption on every level. Redemption on every level of your life. No matter where you've been, make a decision right now to start to move in the direction God desires for you to go. How many of you have made crazy mistakes in your past? Can I just see? And, and I, I want you to understand, every one of you that just raised your hand, if you'll listen carefully, if I say, how many of you have been spared from even crazier mistakes, we would all raise our hand if we did so correctly. Because God is in the mix. That's redemption. That's transformation for all of our lives. In Genesis chapter 17, there's this incredible conversation going on. Abram is asking, uh, you know, God, you said I was going to have a son. You promised I would have a child. And, and I, you know, where is this child? You know, some, you, you can relate to expecting something from God and then like it not happening when you thought that it was supposed to happen. You know, God's never late, but he sure misses a lot of chances to be early. Have you ever thought about it? And so, what, you know, this was Abram's conversation. He's like, okay, God, what's the deal? You said I was going to have a son. And I want you to notice what happens in the conversation. Abram was 99 years old. He'd kind of resolved. It's, it's past. Like, you know, how are you going to have a baby now? Uh, and so the Lord appeared to him and said, you will be the father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful, I will make nations of you, and kings will come from you. Now, before we read on, I just want to say, because I'm sensing of the Holy Spirit right now, there's some of you who think your ship has sailed and your time has passed. And I want to correct that thinking right now and say, it's exactly where Abraham was. He felt like he had missed the boat. It's not going to happen. There's no way this can come to pass. How many of you will disagree with me today that all dreams and revelation from God will spring to life in our lives, never too late, never too soon, at just the right time, and that's exactly where this is. And some of you right now are hearing me and faith is springing up in your heart and you're thinking, yeah, maybe there's hope. Others of you right now are just kind of laughing, saying, well, I don't, think that, I don't think that could happen, Pastor. You know, you can say what you want, nice little sermon, but let's just see how Abram responded. Father of faith. Everybody say, Father of faith. This is the Father of faith responding to the promise of God. Abraham fell down laughing. I am so encouraged to see that the father of faith had so little faith, he laughed in God's face about what God was telling him was going to take place. To me, that is very encouraging. 
Because whether you have a lot of faith in this room or whether right now you're realizing, wow, maybe it doesn't take quite as much faith as I thought. I don't know if you know, but faith of a mustard seed is all God as just a shred of belief that's awakened in our hearts begins to release something profound from the heart of God within us. And then God awakens those things within us and it begins to transform the world around us. And you might just be coming to God today saying, oh God, would you just give me a son? Whatever happened to the idea of my son? And suddenly God starts talking not about a son, he starts talking about nations are gonna come from you. You wanna talk about a son? I'm gonna talk to you about nations. You wanna talk about a son? Kings are gonna come from you. God has amazing things in store for your life and God is always trying to enlarge us and increase us. Stop disqualifying yourself. Maybe you've been divorced. Maybe you're discouraged. Maybe you're despondent at this point. Stop discouraging yourself. God wants his will in your life more than you want his will in your life. This wasn't the first time Abram heard this conversation. In Genesis 12, if you read there, you'll see that's where God was introducing him to the idea, telling him all about it. In Genesis 15, he reiterates it to him again and not only uh, tells him verbally, but also visualizes it and says, look at the stars, and I want you to imagine what I'm up to. And now he's telling him again. If you don't get it the first time, God will tell you a second time. If you don't get it a second time, God will tell you a third time. I don't know if you know, but God's not a God who just kind of whispers discreetly and hopes you get it, his word comes and dwells with you until it brings his will to pass. Some of you don't understand his word is dwelling with you until it brings his will to pass. You thought you disqualified the purposes of God, but you did not because his word stayed with you through your mistake. His word stayed with you through your pain. His word stayed with you through your problem. His word stayed with you through your disappointment, and it's going to bring his will to pass. It will bring his will to pass. God's will be done. I'm gonna encourage you not to disqualify yourself and I wanna do it in this way. Let me get my breath. Y'all are wearing me out. I got another service to go, I'm gonna pace myself. I'm never good at pacing myself. So the father of faith laughs at God and doesn't have faith, that encourages me. But I want you also to, to track this out because we all know of the 12 tribes of Israel. 12 tribes, this is God awakening his family in the earth and preparing his family to be the expression of faith and love and life. And so we trace this back to the 12 tribes of Israel. Where did the 12 tribes of Israel come from? They came from the 12 sons of Israel. And who is Israel? His name, his birth name was Jacob. But after he gave himself to the purposes of God and aligned himself with God and chased after and pursued God and wrestled with God, The Bible says God gave him a new name, and his name is Israel. So here is Jacob, and he's uh, he's wanting to get married, and what he's doing, we're going to see in this progression. I want you to see the 12 children of Jacob, and these are the 12 sons of Israel, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Dan, Naphtali, Gad, Asher, Issachar, Zebulun, Joseph, and Benjamin. 
There is Israel's family tree. Now, I'm going to present to you something. Some of you have heard me show this before, but this is arguably the most dysfunctional family in the history of the world. And I'll explain. So here's Jacob, and he says, I want a wife. He falls in love with this beautiful woman. Her name is Rachel. And he goes to Rachel's father and says, hey, your daughter's really cute. I really want to get married. And uh, her, his father says, oh, good deal. If you'll work for me for seven years, you can have my daughter. So you can read all this in Scripture. Uh, I have two daughters. I happen to like the seven-year work plan. I'm really praying about what I'm going to do. Um, and so seven years work, and then you can have my daughter. So what, what the problem was, was Rachel was the younger daughter, and Rachel had an older sister named Leah. So perhaps the father thought within seven years, Leah will be married, but I want him to go in birth order to be married. So he finishes seven years of work, and he comes for his wife, and he's given the wrong woman. He's given the older daughter that the Bible indicates is not so easy on the eyes. Okay, we don't really know what that means. But, but what we do know is Joseph found Rachel very beautiful, and Joseph found Leah not so much. And so his love was for who? Rachel. And so, so he's given Leah, and he says, hey, wait a second, this wasn't the deal. Seven years, and I wanted my wife. And the father said, well, you know, the oldest has to go first, so what I'm going to do, you can keep her, and you can have the one you really want, but you got to work another seven years, and we'll call that an installment plan. You can have them both now, but seven more years, and then, you know, we're all good. He said, okay. So now Jacob is married to the woman he loved and the woman he wanted to marry, and Jacob is married to the woman he didn't want to marry and wasn't really interested in. How many of you know right now, first two wives, that, that, that usually produces two mother-in-laws. That's a real problem. But, but beyond that, two wives, one he really loves, one he really doesn't. How many of you know we've got the ingredients for, cra- for absolute crazy chaos right there? And so this is the way this breaks down. Leah, who didn't feel loved, she got pregnant first. And she said, well, you don't love me, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to name this child to be a declaration of the depravity that I feel. That's what she said. That, that, when you read the scripture, it gives you the name and the meaning. And what she said is, I'm miserable because I'm unloved, and so I'm going to name this child Reuben, which means he has seen my misery. God saw my misery, therefore he gave me a child. So from now on, every time somebody calls my child's name, it will be a recollection and a declaration that God saw my misery, so he gave me the first child. Then, then Leah, she got pregnant again. And this time she, she said, uh, you know, this one, I'm going to name Simeon. And, and because I'm still crying out to God, and Simeon means God has heard my cry. And what she's saying is, you know what, I may, uh, you know, I may not be all that attractive, and I might be in a state of misery, but at least God has heard my cry, and you may be cute, but at least I'm fertile. So the score is now Leah 2 and Rachel 0. Take that, Rachel. And she gets pregnant again. Leah gets pregnant again. She says, all right, at least this time, three children in a row, my husband will finally be attached to me. I'll name this one Levi, which means attached. She got pregnant a fourth time, folks, before Rachel was ever pregnant. How many, how many of you think Rachel was probably a little upset right about now? 
And so, so here she says, you know what? I'm going to name this child Judah because my fourth child, like four babies, Woo! I'm going to praise my God. Judah means praise the Lord. Well, at this point, Rachel is feeling a little bit left out, like the family's growing and I'm not contributing. So she does something so amazing. She actually brings in her maid and says, listen, uh, you know what, Jacob? I, I feel a little left out here. So I'd like for you to not only have sex with your two wives, but I'd like for you to have sex with my maid. And then she can have babies on my behalf. And, and Jacob, a typical man, oh, okay. And so, you know, here, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> here, here we go. Gets the maid involved. <laughs> Lord help us. And so the maid gets involved and she has a baby. And Rachel says, finally, a baby born on my team. We're going to name this baby Dan for the Lord has vindicated me. Take that, Leah. Do you all understand how crazy this is? And it goes on, the maid has another one. And Rachel says, we're gonna name this one Naphtali. And that means I have struggled. I struggled with my sister and I have won. I'm the loved one and now I have children on my team. When I was, when I was the loved one with no children and she was the unloved one with children, I felt like the odds were stacked against me. But now I have children on my team. These kids grew up together, by the way. And then Leah says, wait, 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 wait. This is no fair. You have two producers and I'm only one. So here's my maid and I'm going to bring my maid. And Jacob said, oh, okay. And so now four women in the bedroom at various times going on. And I mean, this is just, it's just crazier and crazier. So her maid then has a baby and Leah says, we're going to name this one Gad. That means good fortune and good fortune. Now, you know, I'm still, my team's having more babies. And that maid of Leah also has another baby. And she says, we're going to name this one Asher because I'm happy. How about that, Rachel? I'm happy. I've got way more babies on my team than you do. And then Leah gets pregnant again, and she says, I'm going to name this one Issachar, for the Lord has rewarded me. Leah gets pregnant again. She says, I'm going to name this one Zebulun, for God has honored me. Finally, Rachel gets pregnant. Ten babies later, Rachel finally gets pregnant. Anybody know Rachel's firstborn name? Joseph. Just a little sidebar, when you go and you read the story back in Genesis 37, Joseph, his brothers, all the jealousy, make a little sense now, huh? Crazy, isn't it? So then Joseph, he, she, has, she gives birth to Joseph, and she says, you know what? I'm going to name him Joseph because he has added to my life. Joseph means may he add to my life. And then she has another son. And in this particular instance, uh, Lexi, would you put that graphic up one more time? And in this particular instance, she's distressed in childbirth. And as she is distressed in childbirth, uh, you'll see child number 12 is Benjamin. So um, she's distressed in childbirth, and she actually names him Benoni. But the father, which means son of my misery, every time somebody calls his name, they're going to remember that this is the child that the mother died in misery while giving birth. But the father stepped in and he said, no, he's not going to be known as Benoni, son of my misery. He's going to be known as Benjamin, son of my right hand. So now you're starting to get a little bit of a picture. 
Because what I want you to understand is this is actually a progression of salvation. And and I'm just going to say it this way while the graphic remains until I get through these one more time. This is you. Ladies and gentlemen, this is you. He He saw your misery, Reuben. How many of you were miserable before you knew Jesus? You might have been up and out, you might have been down and out, but when you're empty, you're empty. He saw your misery. Simeon, he heard your cry. Levi, you became attached to him. Judah, you began to praise your God. Dan, he began, began to vindicate you against the enemy. Naphtali, struggle is a part of the faith. Gad, good fortune comes when you struggle forward and you walk through it all. Happy, Asher, then you discover what true happiness is all about. Issachar, reward. God then begins to reward your life. Zebulun, he produces honor that is released within you as you walk it out. Joseph, may God add to your life. Benjamin, son of my right hand. Listen carefully. Jesus dying on the cross was the son of misery, but the father looked down from heaven and he said, no, you'll not be known as a son of misery. I am going to raise you from the grave and you will be at my right hand. Come on. You and I are seated in the right hand of the father in. Would you give him praise today? Come on. We lift up the name of Jesus. What a beautiful story. What a beautiful story. You and I are in Christ. Have you given your life to Jesus? Have you surrendered to the cross of Jesus Christ? Have you embraced the love of God? Do you understand he's the Savior who came that we might believe in our our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, that we might walk in a posture of relationship with God our Father all the days of our lives? Is that a beautiful progression or what? I'm so thankful that God went to the trouble to lay all this out to show us the craziest family in the history of the world actually produced the Messiah. You understand? How many of you feel like your family's not quite that dysfunctional? It's an incur- I know some of you are saying it's a close race, but still. <sighs> Listen carefully. You are not merely a carrier of the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You are the message. You understand, if you will stop putting on airs and presenting something you're not, people around you will actually come to resolve and conclusion. You know what? This is real. Maybe if God can use you, then he could actually use me. We don't want you to pretend you're something you're not. We don't want you to come to church to learn how to act moral. We want you to learn to be authentic, transparent, connected, relational, you be you, be honest with your problems, be honest with your frustrations, be honest with your disappointments, but do so in a way that's constructive to the call of God that exists upon your life. Anybody ever stumble before? You know what God does? He's so amazing, he turns the times you stumble into a beautiful dance to inspire the lives of other people. That's amazing. He's not all caught up in your mistake, so you need to not be. I, this is a big idea that I've shared. I'm going to marry it with another big idea. It's kind of a big chunk, and I'm going to try and walk you through it, but I'm not going to race through it. I'm going to take some time that I feel the Lord's asking me to take. When I, uh, first time I left the country, I was going to Africa, and I had to get a series of injections. And one of those was a yellow fever shot. And uh, so I went and got all these 
progression of shots, and on the particular week I was getting the yellow fever and something else, I went to one of our school basketball games that night, and I remember sitting in the bleachers next to Mr. Howard, and as I was sitting there, my eyes started feeling really hot, and I realized I was running a small fever. I was a little over 100, close to 101. I went home, took my temperature, and I realized, you know what had happened? I got a yellow fever immunization shot, and it gave me a little bit of yellow fever. And I want you to think about this concept. Because the idea of an immunization is to expose you to a small dose of what ultimately could kill you, but will produce a response in your body to be able to conquer that which tries to kill you from that day forward. Jesus became sin. Second Corinthians 5 says, not that he died for your sin, he became your sin. You gotta understand, the devil wants to bite humanity, injecting us with venom. But Jesus didn't die for sin, he became sin. What did he do? He became the anti-venom and God raised him from the dead. And every person then that looks upon the cross of Jesus Christ, even if the devil tries, I don't know if you ever read Numbers chapter 13, but even if the devil tries to bite you, you will survive. You will not only survive, but listen, you will become a force of anti-venom in the earth. This is profound. The reason this is so important is because most of us don't understand that in our past where we were bitten that we tend to be ashamed of is actually the very thing God wants to use to release us in the lives of others to say, maybe you've had an abortion, so have I. Maybe you've been on drugs, so have I. Maybe you have been devoted to perfectionism and you've looked like the perfect church person. That person is probably in this room too. And your life will crumble internally until you stop trying to present the air of perfection or whatever your addiction may be. And if you will get honest about that, God will take the pain and the problems of your past. If you put them in his hands, they'll become purpose to help other people discover that their future doesn't have to resemble your past, but God can walk them out before they have to go through what you and I maybe have gone through. Would you just give him praise today and declare it? God is using us mightily in the midst of our mistakes. Sometimes God redeems our past by surrounding us with people who need to hear our story so our past never becomes their future. But we have to be willing to tell the story. There's a man named Nicholas Hoy who attends our church, and you maybe see him standing out in the parking lot sometimes waving you in. And uh, Nicholas, here's a a picture of Nicholas. I think we've got the before and after. Uh, There he is before. He's got stuff going on in his eye. There we go. (laughs) <laughs> so, and that looked crazy, didn't it? And so there's Nicholas before. He was really a troubled dude. And then here's like Nicholas, as we know him, and he's come around. He's living a life, serving God. There he's being baptized. I like his shirt. Not today, Satan. Not today. I like that. So, Nicholas, I just want you to know a little bit of his story. Twelve years old, he was kicked out of his house on the streets. Crazy life, in and out of jail, drug houses, Salvation Army, sober living houses. We're celebrating in this church family that Nicholas Hoy is 18 months sober. Not only that, 
He has started working with Skyline Urban Ministries, helping people in need in our community in management there. God has just really done an amazing work in his life, and we're going to celebrate. He'll be in the second service today. Here's the thing I want you to understand. Your struggles produce your strength. What's he doing? He's serving the needs of people who are where he used to be. Anybody ever noticed that like Jonah was sent to deal with Nineveh's disobedience? You ever read this story? And what was Nineveh's problem? They were disobedient. What was Nineveh's problem? Say it. They were disobedient. And what did Jonah struggle with in getting to Nineveh to address their disobedience? Disobedience. Do you understand? He was exposed to that which would kill him just enough to cause him to become the immunization that Nineveh needed to see and bring a revelation that changed and completely turned the capital city of paganism in a day. Stop disqualifying yourself. It's the very thing God uses to create an immunization out of you. That which you thought was happening to you to kill you, it might have knocked you to your knees. It wasn't that. It was God was creating an immunization out of your life. Whatever you walk through, all that you dealt with, feeling worthless, feeling frustrated, disappointed, despondent, God wasn't trying to take you out. God was trying to position you to leave you in so that others could be awakened to his purpose in their lives as well. 42 generations after Abram prayed, oh God, just give me a son. Oh God, just give me a son. You remember the conversation at the beginning of this message? Oh God, just give me a son. God takes him beyond a son. 42 generations after Abraham is praying that prayer, Jesus shows up on the scene, comes out of Mary's womb, and what does he say? I am the seed of Abraham. Can I just tell you, God's plans are so far beyond your wildest imagination. Would you not give up? Would you not give in? We need you in this fight. I want you to know what I'm talking about today is one of the most profound revelations God's entrusted to our care. And I want to wake you up to understand that if you have disqualified yourself because of anything you've done, you need to requalify yourself because God never sided with that previous opinion. He actually says, you're called, you're anointed, you're gifted. Come on, let's just stand to our feet. Let's stand as a mighty army of the living God honoring the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to bring God's presence to real life this week. So your God's presence for real life action point this week is to reflect daily on God's redemption in your life and look for an opportunity to share your story of God's grace with somebody. If your story is that you were rescued from it in events, share that story. If you've got deep-seated issues that you've walked through in the past and you're still trying to walk those things out, share your story in the trusted context of relationship. So, Sarah Connor, Terminator. Here's this waitress and these machines are coming back from the future to kill her and she says why are they trying to kill me I'm just a waitress and in classic Terminator voice 
They're not trying to kill you because of who you are. They're trying to kill you because of who you are about to become. It's the best I got. Let's bring it into the reality. Some of y'all know the devil's been attacking your life. He's not trying to kill you because of who you are. He is fearful of who he knows God has anointed you to become. Why don't you stop applying your past and start embracing your future? Come on, God has great things in store for our lives. We just give God praise today. We lift up the name of Jesus today. Thank you, Lord.